I think we need to acknowledge that everybody is a creative person. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Keep It Quirky podcast. I'm your host, Katie Quinn, and this is the pod where I talk with fellow creatives and entrepreneurs about food, travel, and the discipline and drive to create. Passion begets passion, so come on with me and let's do this. Hey everyone, welcome back. I hope that you're all very well today. Some quick housekeeping from me before we dive into this episode. This afternoon, I'm off to Italy for about a month uh, doing some intensive back-to-back trips around the country for my book, of course. So the forthcoming Keep It Quirky episodes will be slightly delayed. Don't worry though, I will hop on it as soon as I'm able to, but I hope you understand that research for the book is priority number one right now, but I'll be back in your ears before you even know you missed me. I'm excited to bring you today's episode because I see this person, her name is Molly McClelland Morris, a couple of times a week at Tri Yoga Studio in London. She teaches one of my favorite yoga classes, but don't worry, this episode is not all yoga woo-woo. It's not even fully about just yoga. So don't worry, (laughs) we talk a wee bit about yoga. So if you're into yoga like us, then you'll enjoy those bits. But mostly we talk about how some of the theories of yoga relate to creativity, a creative life, and yes, entrepreneurship. We talk about being incremental about change, about following threads of interest and the act of creation. And thank you to Try Yoga Shortage for letting Molly and I record this episode in your space. When it comes to guests with accents, I've gotten feedback from listeners that y'all really appreciate it when I state the origin of the accent right up front. So I'll do that with Molly. When I brought my sister Claire to Molly's yoga class, Claire thought that maybe she was like an international student because sometimes she sounded American, but then sometimes not. Um, So here's Molly straightening it out. I am from Pittsburgh. (laughs) But, well, I was born in in, uh, San Diego, but I grew up in Pittsburgh and I've been in the UK since 2005. And the first couple years were off and on, and then I've been here since then. Now, without further delay, here is my conversation with Molly. Molly McClellan Morris, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. I just um, took one of your classes. Yes. As I typically do. Um, I love your classes. Oh, thanks, Katie. They always... They make me feel good, Mm. you know, and not every kind of yoga teacher or every kind of yoga class does that. Mm. So how would you, and this is not going to be all yoga, yoga, woo woo, but how would you describe the kind of yoga you do? I, I have heard and seen embodied. Yeah. I guess the best way to, to answer that is to just tell you a little bit about my life yes which is that I trained as a dancer yes and um I did classical ballet until I was 18 and I danced for a season with the Milwaukee Ballet Company and at the end of that I was injured and miserable and then I went to uni college depending on where your (laughs) listeners are from and um started doing more contemporary dance and I studied dance and religion and so we were kind of like how people pray through the body Um, and then during the time that I was in college uni um, I went to India 
and I stayed for a few months in Mysore and I started doing Ashtanga yoga and I got kind of hooked on it as a kind of sideline to dancing and then um, and then I was doing both for a while and then I did a teacher training and blah 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 um, long story short I've, I feel that my yoga practice now includes so much from my dance training time like I feel like I've kind of for a while I pushed it away and I was like no I teach yoga and I do um you know vinyasa flow and then you know the labels of things when you start getting when you start doing something for a long time the labels of you know this style seem a little less appropriate Mm -hmm. so I use the word embodied because um because I'm I'm trying to help people feel their bodies more right and when you say it feels good that's excellent um I, you know, I think that we're sort of cut off from our bodies as a culture. And so I'm trying to make my class a space where people get back in touch with their bodies. Um, and so that's the word I'm using right now. But I don't feel it's like a style as much as I feel like it's a... A combination of a whole lot of things. Exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So in addition to the kind of yoga you teach and everything, you know, we could get super deep into that. Yeah. You are also um, an entrepreneur. Yeah. And so, yeah, talk to me about that. Um, well, you see, yoga teachers don't really make a lot of money <laughs> teaching regular group classes unless you set them up in a space where you have um, low rent and a lot of people coming. So you kind of have to have... I don't know if you've heard these descriptions of marketing, right? Like there's the freebie and then there's the ice cream cones and then there's the cakes that people invest in for whatever. Right. Okay. And then there's the next tier is like fully catered ice cream party. Okay. Okay. So it was somebody marketing. I like that. I like like any metaphor (laughs) that includes ice Ice cream. cream. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Ice cream is good. It's great. So, So like, but if you, if you were an ice cream shop and you just did loads of ice cream cones, right, you tire yourself out and you don't make a lot of money on each cone. So you have to put things behind that, that the people who love your ice cream decide that they want to invest in and so it's kind of the same thing you know group classes feel a bit like scoops of ice cream because you you really cannot do enough of them to make a decent living yeah and as the student too you can only go so deep in a 60 minute class absolutely absolutely so then you go okay so what am I gonna what am I gonna create what kind of offerings you know what do the students want from me is one question right what what um what can I contribute to the students' lives um, that then also create more income? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so I'm I'm in a sort of transitional time. You know, I have two kids. My younger one is two and a half. And I'm, I'm um, sort of re-emerging, I guess, into the world of work. I've, I have been working for a while, but just not with full power. Yeah. And so now it's kind of the creativity of how do you create, how do I create offerings for people that will create different income streams and and also just, you know, day-to-day classes can be tiring and, you know, you can only do so much in them, so you can only be so creative with them. Yeah. Another thing that I enjoy about your classes is that it's never the same every time and, yeah. and you'll like focus on a different part, which is backed up with so much knowledge. 
you know the words of like all of these parts in our body yeah well it's slowly 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 yeah okay okay so that's like an element that you are yeah i mean that's actively, a specific yeah that's a specific um interest of mine i would say no you know again from i remember when i was training as a dancer and i i just was like super hungry for people to explain to me how to do things and there was only certain certainly ballet teachers who could really explain stuff and um you know i had a wave i had one come in when i was about 17 and then you know again and when i was in college i was like oh like sort of interested in this kind of thing but i was afraid of science i was like i am not a sci- my parents are both scientists i was like oh really science no and now oh my god that was stupid because <laughs> i'm so geeky about it right yeah. i'm so interested in that but so slowly slowly studying the body studying anatomy um i study a specific um I study a specific discipline that's called Franklin Method, which uses anatomy, but I am by no means the most educated person on anatomy, right? Like Eric Franklin, um, my teacher, speaks and I go like, oh my God, I'm never going to get there. Right, but for someone who like, doesn't know <laughs> yeah, much about yeah, anatomy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm a step, I'm cool. a step above that. No, no, it's yeah. really great. And it's been, you know, I, I started studying that about, well, um, I started encountering it about five, six years ago, and I did my teacher training, my first teacher training in Franklin Method two and a half years ago. Since then, my ability to articulate and my understanding of the body has just completely shifted. And that's like a life skill. Yeah, yeah, it is. I I really think it's something that we should be teaching children. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I did dance for, since I was three, right? And I was 35 before I knew where my hip joint was, hmm. right? How my leg moved in my pelvis. I was 35. And that means I had been studying for 22 years before I learned that, right? It's like, like how to organize your body. We don't think that that's something that we need to know until then we have something go wrong. And then you have to pay all these people and they, you know, like they have their own agenda and then you you're sort of powerless in your own healing and and like all kinds of stuff like that and then you like and then it's the fix can really be so simple when you have the awareness so that's the other side of the embodiment right is like understanding your body its function its design and being able to move with that design and that's what franklin method is franklin method is about um understanding your design and function, moving with it, and also um, using imagery to get the best out of your movement. So, And I think a really important element of everything that you are studying and bring to your students is like that the mind and body are are one in the same, right? They're they're so interrelated. Yeah. It's so crazy how in Western culture we think of them as totally differently. Absolutely. But so I, I want to take that idea and apply it to this career transition that you said you're in the midst of. Can you just talk to me about like how you are diving into that with this background? (laughs) You know? Um, Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, of course. So the class today focused a bit on change. And in the meditation, we were talking about change 
And I was talking about breaking habits and um, because I got on the wrong train because I mm. am not used to my new commute because my schedule has changed. And um, so I was thinking about change. And at the end of the class, I said something about, you know, the next phase of your healing, like what's the word or affirmation that you want to bring in? And that change is scary, right? Like our body, like from an from a organism perspective, our body is designed to stay in homeostasis, which means what we're used to or the safe zone, right? And so when you, you can't push yourself too far out of the safe zone because you'll die, but <laughs> on, on a metaphoric level, it's the same thing. Like you, we don't do our best when we push ourselves full throttle out of the safe zone. It doesn't really work. And um, we have to kind of be slightly incremental about change um, and sometimes the incremental is smaller than you think like the body takes a long time to change and so does everything yeah right? um, and so yeah so I was thinking about today the next phase of your journey and I the word that came into my own mind was experimentation mm. so you know I feel that my job right now as a creative human is to experiment and re- um, rediscover and discover new things um, that I want to bring into my work, you know, and that's that's kind of the next phase of my business as well is like, okay, I'm a human being. I fit into a demographic. I'm a mother of young children. I have X amount of time in my life, right? So I want to create things that can fit into people that I know have similar qualities. But then I also want to go, okay, how do I access my most... You know, knowing that everybody's offering 10 minute, you know, whatever fitness classes online for busy mums, like how do I go into my deepest creativity and find what is mine to say to whoever my audience is? It's not specifically mums, but um, yeah. It's, and so the experimentation is really where I'm at with it. And that means reading books that I wouldn't ordinarily read mm. and signing up for the courses you know, as many of them that I can get free, but, uh, you know, like courses and things that I wouldn't necessarily do or, um, yeah, just following threads of interest into like places I didn't know I would end up and how fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. And, and I love that too. the start. Yeah. Absolute <laughs> fun and scary. There, it's a fine line, <laughs> yeah, really. but I love that the starting place for all of this was an acknowledgement that you are a creative person. I, um, I think we need to acknowledge that everybody is a creative person. I mean, like, like humans as a species, like, I won't curse, London. <laughs> like, look at London. Like, we created London. Yeah. We created all this crazy stuff. We can created this fantastic recording device and my perfect water bottle. And like, I mean, you know, we create everything and we create our dinners. We create our experiences. We, you know sometimes curator okay fine but like we all have the capacity of creation in us and um you know i i think that's something that we kind of we we think of creative as like artist but that's just not yeah like a brooding artist yeah, right. like a, you know right and then like if you're not actively like painting yeah. you know murals or something right. then you're not a creative right i recently read something that um was talking about how in the act of creation, that motion and change is inherent in that mm. because you can't create and keep in inertia. Absolutely. When you create, you're moving things around you. You're like, yes. it is, you know, almost, 
I, I can't believe I'm going to say energetically because I told myself I wouldn't get in. Like, yeah, woo-woo. Yeah, woo-woo. But, but the, you know, inherent in creation and as creative people, yeah. that's what we do, which can be extra hard because going back to what you said, humans don't really like change yeah. and it takes a long time for us to... Yeah, but we also problem solve, right? Like, so some creativity is there's a hole in the boat and we got to fix a hole in the boat. And like, what have we got to fix a hole in the boat? Right? There's creativity. Totally. You know, we got to eat. What have we got to eat? You know, how are we going to eat? You know, so then people eat bugs and people cook, you know, cook nettles, right? You can't pick up a nettle with your finger, but you Mm. can cook it and Mm -hmm. eat it and it's medicinal, right? And part of that is our creativity in the face of, in the face of, lack and so just as you said like um all of this has like a pushing through what we know and going past it because that's how we've dominated the world (laughs) now we have a different problem right now we have to harness the creativity of humanity and fix it and work with the world (laughs) and work with the world yeah and like get back in touch with it and and like that's what that's that's our next project (laughs) yeah so taking another concept of this world that you inhabit. Yeah. Um, I read a great article that you wrote. Um, it is about the parasympathetic nervous system versus yeah. the symp- sympathetic ner- nervous system. Yes. Can you kind of recap that? Yes, absolutely. So um, this is another thing I think we should all have learned when we were possibly 10 before we hit puberty. Um, so our nervous system has two states and um, the two states come from us being animals. Um, and so one state is the f- fight, flight, or freeze state. That's the kind of exaggeration of it. Um, and so, you know, you're walking along and a lion enters your, or predator comes into your space and you have to solve the situation with the predator. So your body changes its state. It it shuts down certain functions, right? Like you don't digest food when you're running away from a lion. Um, you don't feel pain. You get a, a hormones and adrenaline and all this kind of stuff. And the other state is the parasympathetic state. And the parasympathetic state is the rest and digest um, state. And of course, the sympathetic one is the one that kicks on fast, right? And so to keep us alive, to keep us alive, <laughs> and right. So it goes on, and the and going into parasympathetic is a much slower process. But everything in our environment right now is sympathetic, right? The pinging of your iPhone, the um, you know, like London transport, uh, car horns, you know, it's all sympathetic, sympathetic, and we're getting this kind of unnatural bombardment of this of the sympathetic nervous system so we as a modern species of human have to learn how to be and connect to our parasympathetic system and down regulate basically our system and that's why people like they you know you go oh relax and they lay down and they can't relax because you can't you can't just shut off all that stimulation with like, a, oh yeah, relax, right. you know, that's, and, and that's where for me, sometimes the stuff gets woo woo is because you're not acknowledging the reality of a of like the system of the body and going, okay, to get to relax and feel your heart chakra or whatever woo woo thing, you have to go through the right. down regulation and the, and the systematic like peeling unwinding, back, peeling yeah. back, unwinding, decompressing, like all of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, most of us exist 
in a in a range of sympathetic and parasympathetic that's like a wave and doesn't really spike out and so again the act of healing is bringing yourself into um the kind of safe range again which for most of us involves figuring out how to down regulate and relax and feel ourselves I think that that may be one reason I've become so addicted to breaking up my day with a yoga class in the middle of the day because so much of my job feels like I'm just constantly in sympathetic. And also another word, very cute phrase that you've given (laughs) it is movement snack. Oh, right. Yeah. Movement snack. Yeah. So movement snack can be a lot of things, um, but I, I don't, I don't think I created it. I think I found it somewhere, but well, anyway. I heard it from you first. <laughs> okay, you heard it from me. So movement snack is like, yeah, just the little things that you can insert into your life, like a snack that make your day better. And you know how one of the ways I, um, sort of figured out about movement snacks is that I used to smoke cigarettes <gasps> and um, I know yoga teacher. Um, but, uh, you know, part of the reason I think people smoke cigarettes is because they leave, they get up from their desk, they go outside, they change the thing, they take a breath, la 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 la, it has a time limit on it, they finish the thing, it has a little bit of social engagement as well, and then they come back and they feel much better. And I was like, okay, if I'm going to finish my dissertation and I'm not going to smoke cigarettes, I better take smoke breaks, but just not have cigarettes. Yeah, wow. So then it's the kind of same idea, right? Like you take a little break, you're going to get some water, you roll your shoulders a few times, you know, I'm into some of these like slightly woo woo things of touching and tapping and rolling and balls and all kinds of fun stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, but like you, you know, you know, you take a minute, you roll your shoulders a few times, you tap your chest, you take a few breaths and like you feel like a different per- I feel like a different person. So, yeah. So movement snack is like, you know, pause, roll your shoulders, take a few breaths, you know, tap a little bit, you know. I don't know, whatever you do, but, but, um, well, I think it bring a little bit of movement in and then, yeah, you feel better. Yeah. You feel better regardless of who you are or what you do. I feel like it is like a basic elemental human. Give yourself a movement snack. Totally. Like, and, and, you know, I mean the, we've chained ourselves to desks and then we have this, like, we have to respond to email in 20 minutes or 20 seconds or whatever it is we have to do. And it's all, again, it's like this sympathetic, sympathetic, sympathetic with no outlet, you know, with absolutely no. And then we go, oh, I'm so stressed out because I've been sitting here and I haven't moved and I haven't, you know, and it's like, oh, if you just got up and like this. So one of the, there's a few different disciplines um, that are in, a lot of them are in the kind of trauma field. Um, one of them is called somatic experiencing. Um there's another one called trauma release exercises. I'm not an expert on them, but they talk about discharge, right? That that's what animals do when they have like a incident with a predator and they survive, right? Then they then they shake it off, they release, they move, they they growl, they stretch, they whatever, and they kind of that's part of their down regulation and they're kind of shifting out of that sympathetic episode and we do not know how to do that with our bodies we do not know how to do that with our bodies so and that's how we create blockages Uh, right absolutely absolutely so having an awareness that this is how we work as humans does that make it any easier to get through the hard times as a human because you're still a human dealing with the things but you have learned about all the human things well what if i say no (laughs) no i mean it does make it easier i think um I think there's loads of things that make things quote unquote easier. One of them is just being okay with the fact that you're not okay. Right. Right. And going, okay, 
like I used to maybe try to hide that I wasn't okay with different kinds of things like you know the stuff that people hide there yeah. <laughs> unhappiness with vices yes vices of, of varying degrees and um you know going okay I, like I'm not okay right mm-hmm. like how do I how do I deal with the fact that I'm not really okay right and and life is bloody hard being a human being is bloody hard and I'm um, just admitting that to yourself is like like takes a little bit of the pressure off because nobody's having an easy ride nobody's got it figured out like being a human is very very hard work yeah (laughs) i mean and it's tiring and it's everything so so i think i think that does that does make it easier when the times are tough and you know um building up your resilience building up your tolerance um you know i had a yoga studio that had a fire in it and i had worked 14 days straight and that day my assistant said to me you're going home you're not teaching tonight someone's covering your classes and so um, I, I was like about to sit down to dinner and the phone rang and it was somebody from the studio calling to tell me that it was on fire. And so... This was your studio? Like your yeah, studio? Yeah. You owned the studio? I owned the studio, oh, yeah. Wow. So um, it had been another studio that closed and we bought it and like that. We had it for about nine months. Um, anyway. Oh, so sad. Symbolic in every way. Wow. But anyway, so we got there and that was like... Obviously, that was a traumatic incident, and um, I spent, you know, what felt like probably about two months wandering around North London, feeling like a refugee, not having anywhere to go, like stopping in weird places just to pass the time because I had a meeting in three hours, but I couldn't go home. But you know, but I didn't have a space to go to, and every time I went into the space, I smelled like fire and like all this kind of thing. Um, and not knowing anything that was going to happen. And I went to some yoga classes and I actually couldn't really cope with them because um, I felt so raw. Like I went to one class and the and the woman was like, at the end, she was like, and think about how you felt when you walked into the class. And I was like, well, why did I, you know, I just blew the whole thing out the window because you said that to me. Like I worked, you know, I finally got myself to calm down and then you tell me to think about how I felt. Like, Uh, so so but but um but you know it it was five years ago that the fire happened on a on a bigger scale my I am a resilient person and I have this skill set internally and in my community to cope with um things like that and so I think that that's part of what yoga is meant to teach us right it's meant to give us the resilience and to be okay to say i actually can't meditate right now because i am in trauma and what i'm going to do is cuddle up on my bed or drink tea or even you know even have a vice behavior because i can't i can't i can't do the next thing yet i can't step to the next thing but i'm doing it from the place of i understand that this is I'm not able to cope yet and I know that I will get there Yeah. rather than I'm just being addicted and numbing out from the challenge with, with whatever, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, th- I mean, that makes, that makes total sense. And I think it's about the toolbox, right? Yeah. Because totally. basically, okay. So, you know, all of these things as how humans are, but you're still a human and you're still gonna, Yeah. it's still going to be hard. So yeah, it's about the toolbox. And- yeah, it is. It is definitely about the toolbox and kind of thinking about your own toolbox. Like I think, you know, again, I think what we should teach teenagers is what their toolbox is. 
what uh, what is the role that motherhood has played in your yoga practice, in your <laughs> career? I have been surprised, I would say, by how much of a hit my life took from being a mother. So, but so the story was that um, five years ago there was a fire. So I had this business for nine months, and then there was a fire, and then I got pregnant, like very shortly after, um, which was a kind of twist of magic. Um, in some ways, I really feel like the two things couldn't have happened at the same time. Um, so then while the, while we were figuring out that the studio wasn't going to come back, I was also like, oh, I'm pregnant. And um, we kind of, we got a two year time scale from them when I was about five months pregnant. So we were like, well, okay, fine. We might as well not look for another premises and, and like that because... I'm not going to be able to start something right now anyway. Um, so we took the break and um, and then I guess my first daughter would have been about nine months when we learned that we were not going to have the lease back and we would not be going back into the studio space. Um, and I kind of thought, if I'm going to have two kids, I better have them close mm. <laughs> because I'm not going to want to rebuild everything and then take another break. So then I got pregnant again um, and the kids are, they're like 19 months apart. Um, so, so there was like this extended period of emptiness. Um, I mean, very full in other ways. Very full and, uh, and, uh, work, work-wise, creative right. emptiness. Right. So I was riding my bike and I was like, I can't live this life and have children so then then the studio burned down and I had the children so I I really had this chunk I felt like taken out of my professional life and I did not realize how much how much of a hit that would feel like how and I guess I guess the sort of rebuilding from the fire happened just like three years later with two small people needing <laughs> a lot of my attention. Um, and that's hard. Like that's that, I mean, that has been hard. And I think, I mean, I don't know how it is for a mom who has like a sort of maternity leave from a job and goes back, back into it. But it's, I think it's very hard to balance early motherhood with the, um, the person that you were before that happens to you. Well, especially when you're self-employed. Yeah, especially when you're self-employed. And like self-driven entrepreneur type. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I see I, that. I see, I see some, I mean, I think everybody's a bit different. So I see some sort of mom entrepreneurs who like sell, you know, I mean, some of the really successful entrepreneurs did it while their kids were really young. Mm. I just wasn't really that person. Okay, yeah. I sort of, I think I also... <laughs> being a little bit of a driven human and having everything that happened, I was like, I probably wouldn't have taken the time to be with my kids fully, but this is what's happened in my life. Let me just listen to it and take the time to be with my kids well, for their first two years. Um, and so I feel like that was a sort of challenge and gift for me that pushed me a little bit out of my nature, but, um, was a good thing. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so now thinking about how to rebuild, I think you just have a different capacity as a mother. You just like, you can't, I don't work into the late nights because I'm too tired. I don't, um, 
you know, I fundamentally don't work Mondays because I'm with my kids. I, uh, you know, there's sort of limitations and boundaries around things that I didn't definitely have before. Um, and what is it that saying necessity is the mother of invention, right? Like then you just figure out how to do things slightly differently. And um, in terms of my practice, well, I used to love to have like really long practices and I, you know, I don't get to do that with any kind of regularity anymore. Not, I do it like once or twice a week, but, um, you know, I used to practice two, three hours a day for a, a certain period of time. Um, so I don't really do that right now. But again, it's like, how do you, how do I integrate rather than what, how, how do I integrate the practice rather than like go out of life and do the practice? And so that's also an interesting thing. How do you bring the consciousness, the mindfulness, the self-regulation into what can be a stressful situation or an out of control situation or, you know, whatever, and do it in life rather than over there on a mat. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it in, make it work Bring for it you. in, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like Bring that. It like, yeah. talk it again, kind of. So, aside from movement snacks, yeah. how do you, Molly, keep it quirky? Um, well... You know, I, I, the class I taught today, I like walked into and I looked around and I was like, everybody's laying on the floor. We're laying on the floor. <laughs> yeah. You know, like you just try to look at the world and be present to it and not have too much agenda in my head about how I think it should be. But like, yeah, just I don't know. This is gonna sound so woo woo, but like be in the moment, observe what's there and and think about I learned this from kind of improvisational theater think about what I can add to the moment rather than my agenda and so I think that that is a like a big part of my kind of creativity is um and weirdness and quirkiness is like god what do I just what does this moment need now and, what does uh, <laughs> this moment need I love that that is a great way to wrap things up Molly, thank you so much oh, for coming thanks, on the Katie. podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for doing this. I'm really, I really loved it. I'll see you in the yoga studio soon. Yeah, very soon. <laughs> Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you again to Molly. And you all can follow her on Instagram at Molly Yoga. That's Molly with an I-E, not a Y. And you can check out her website, mollymorris.com. Again, that's M-O-L-L-I-E. All right, guys, I'm going to go um, visit a lot of vineyards. I'm sure drink a lot of wine and learn a bunch of things that I cannot wait to share with you all. So I will be back here before long. Follow my adventures around Italy on my Instagram at QKady. You guys know that. And um, thanks so much for listening. If you haven't left a review yet, please do. And until next time, don't forget to keep it quirky.